0: When I first came down south and and first time I went to a southern gospel church and I went to the altar and one guy said, hold on, brother, and the other guy came up on the other side and said, turn loose, brother. I didn't know whether I was coming or going, but uh, I realized it was a different kind of worship style, but that was a blessing. Thank you, Brother Bryce. I uh, heard David Jeremiah say this week, uh, he went to Tombstone and he read a tombstone and it said, here lies less more. He's no less, and he's no more. <laughs> I had to call Sister Sue and ask if I could share this one joke I heard this week, but this pastor went to the side of a, uh, the bedside of a dying man, and uh, he was talking to him, and the man wrote him a note, and the pastor took it and stuck it in his pocket, and a few moments later, the guy went off into eternity. Pastor forgot about the note till the day of the funeral. He had the same coat on, and while he was doing the funeral, he felt it and he thought, "I've got that note. I'll read it." And he pulled it out, and he had to stop because the note said, "You're standing on my oxygen tube." Like I said, I had to get Sue's permission. She's back there somewhere, but uh, uh, God is good, isn't He? Amen. We're in Exodus chapter 8. We're talking about frogs today, our second plague. We've been doing, going through this series of Exodus. We will hopefully conclude uh, with the Passover. We'll do some of the feast. I'm not sure, but it'd be nice to finish around Easter with the Passover. But we'll just see what the Lord has for us. Several months have passed by since the water into blood. Some scholars thought, well, maybe the blood drove the frogs out, but really it doesn't fit the narrative because there are several months and the frogs wouldn't uh, uh, be out that long or it wouldn't wait that long for that to happen. Frogs are mentioned in scripture 14 times and 11 of the times right here in this passage. Then twice in the Psalms referring to this passage, and then we find in John's revelation. Uh, that he sees frog-like creatures. We'll talk about that in just a moment. One great writer by the name of Bachhart describes all the suffering that would be caused by all these frogs. Uh, frogs are a metamorphosis, as you know. What a, what a miracle, what an amazing thing that is. And the word metamorphosis, as you know, is a Greek word. And we know I'm giving you the English of it, but it's, transfer- it's translated, transferred, Uh, It's translated two or three ways in your Bible. Uh, It's translated um, transfigured. And uh, in Romans chapter 12, it's also translated transformed. I wanted to get that right. Because the tadpole has certainly changed. The gills turn into lungs, and it turns into a frog, and it's quite a miracle, as I said, and one of God's many, many miracles. The the frog's amazing. It has its tongue. It's one-third of its body length. That's longer than the gossiper's tongue, Yeah, you know? I mean, it can really reach around the world almost, this little, this little tongue. I was thinking about there are poisonous frogs, and of course we know that James says the words can be like poison, right? And uh, we know that the tongue is a terrible thing, but for the frog, it's, it's what brings in the insects. We're gonna read chapter eight, verses one through three, if you have that. Stan, we're gonna study down several verses down through verse 15, but we're just going to read these first three. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve thee. And if, notice the condition, If thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly which shall go up and come into thine houses and into the bedchamber and upon thy bed, into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. I mean, just think of the frogs that, that had taken over. And let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world. Lord, what a privilege it is to stand and share your word but Lord, I just want you to speak to hearts. I know your word never returns void, but that what I say will be according to your plan and that you'll just uh, speak to hearts because I don't know the hearts you do. You know every heart. You know every problem here today. You know who needs encouragement. You know who needs rebuke. And I just pray your Holy Spirit will work as he always does in the lives of people. God bless in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. There are 6,000 species of frogs in the world, ranging from a frog that is over 12 inches long and 7 pounds to frogs that are a half an inch. Amazing. Variety of colors and species. But they conclude the Nile frog was just an ordinary frog. The Hebrew word means marsh leaper, marsh leaper, so they conclude that it was a frog. Frogs are amazing, and as I said, they can see 180 degrees around, their eyes bulge out, you know, and then their eyes can actually tuck back into their mouth area. It's amazing the way God created these little creatures. They don't drink water, they absorb water through their skin. And, of course, the frog's not like the toad. The frog needs water, moisture all the time. And that's why we see in this plague that when they got up in the desert sand and stayed a little bit, they all died and it would stink. Some went back, obviously, into the Nile and survived, but many died. Uh, The desert heat would kill them. Um, Of course, dying meant they wouldn't be very helpful for the next two plagues, lice and flies because so many frogs die. They jump 20 times their body length. That's to me an amazing fact. Now we're gonna look at uh, uh, several things, the Word of God, and we're gonna look also also at the action of Moses and Aaron and the reaction of God. Evolutionists say we came from frogs. You know, that's their big leap, you would say. You you heard the poem, uh, uh, once I was a tadpole beginning to swim, next I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging through the tree and finally I'm a professor with a PhD. Uh, It's a big leap, you know, for for us to become uh, what we have become. And of course, we don't buy that nonsense. I was thinking, if that's the case, then in middle school when I was dissecting a frog, I was dissecting one of my ancestors. Uh, so that's, that's kind of a gruesome thing. But here in, in chapter 8, this is the third time that Moses has gone before Pharaoh. And he gives a, a warning here. He says, if, if, I love this message to the Southern churches, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. You know, when God speaks to us uh, through his word or to our conscience, we need to listen. Another amazing fact, we talked a few months ago about design points to a designer. Your ear is an amazing creation. Your ear vibrates 20,000 times per second so that you can hear. Yeah. Only God can do that. Only God can make the frog and the metamorphosis and the miracle. But here's a warning. You either do, I let the people go, or I'm going to smite your border with frogs. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 13, I believe it's on the screen, it is. uh, During the tribulation period, John sees frog-like creatures. And I'm going to turn there just bear with me a moment. And the only other time we see frogs besides connected to the plagues, we see these frog-like creatures. We're in the bowl or vile judgments. It says here in chapter 16, verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are unclean spirits. These are demonic creatures John sees. Of course, the frog was unclean to begin with. Uh, the Jews weren't allowed to eat those. And now we we eat those. I guess some people do. When I was a kid, my dad took us once a year. We weren't a very wealthy family, but he took all nine of us to the smorgasbord. It was a Swedish restaurant in Lansing. We could eat all we wanted to eat. And I know dad wanted us to tank up so he wouldn't have to feed us the rest of the week, probably. But uh, I'll never forget that. And they had frog legs there. And I came back to the table excited and said, Dad, they have frog legs at the smorgasbord at the... He said, okay, well, go ahead. You know, I thought, well, I wonder what they taste like. And almost everything you eat like that tastes like chicken. You know, I remember in Panama, someone said, what does the iguana tail taste like? I said, like chicken. So I had the frog legs like the iguana tail and enjoyed those. We we can eat freely of those, but they were unclean. And these spirits were unclean. And so John sees some frog-like creature. What is it he sees, Pastor? I don't know. When you read different commentaries, John Warburg, Tim LaHaye on Revelation, they all have different ideas and different opinions. John saw things, and he tried to describe them as best he could, but we just don't know. He, he saw, remember, you know, locust, gigantic locust with fire and all these different things. We don't know, but that's the only other reference to a frog, this frog-like creature. But here we see these frogs in Exodus, in the river, is, again, going to be overrun with frogs. Uh, the, the river gods would be humiliated, as we said last week, by the blood. And now the frog goddess, you see, they worshipped a frog head, if you, if you can believe this. A frog head, and her name was Hecht, a goddess, of, uh, one of the goddesses they, 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 they worshipped. Amazing to me that people can be so naive. I mean, in India, they worshipped the cow. Holy cow. And and they they have reincarnated rats, they believe are reincarnated Indians, so they won't kill the rats, and the rats eat all the grain and they have famine. Well, duh, you know. The foolishness of man, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So they had this frog-headed God they worshiped, and what a humiliation to the belief in that God. Of course, the gods were probably just demons, you know, but the humiliation. And, and, and everybody's embarrassed at what's going on because God's proving his power. He's proving who he is. And, and so the frogs are coming in and jumping all over you. I don't mind a frog, but remember all the things that come along with frogs. They have a discharge, you know, after they eat the worm or the bug. And, and so they're they're jumping all over. They're in the houses in your bed. You, you jump in bed and there's frogs in there and they're jumping on you. They're jumping in your dough. And if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So everyone's frustrated, and they can't deal with these frogs. They're on the people, they're on the servants, and uh, they wouldn't kill them because they really felt they were holy. And so what a dilemma they had with all these frogs. And then Aaron takes this rod in verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams and the rivers and the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. Again, he's taking this rod. And I think about the rod of Aaron, a hard piece of dead wood, oftentimes used for correction, weren't they? Rods, for guidance sometimes. Here, used uh, to chastise uh, Egypt and to cause this miraculous plague to take place where the frogs come up. But when I think about Aaron's rod, did you know it's a type? Walter Wilson says it's a type. What do you mean? How is it a type, Pastor? Well, it's just dead wood. But in the Ark of the Covenant, it budded. That's right. It speaks of the resurrection. <laughs> think of the Bible saying that if a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it will what? Bring forth Fruit bring forth corn, bring forth vegetation. It's given miraculously life. And we think of the valley of dry bones. know, all these things talk about life coming. And one day life will come. Because Jesus will bring us out of the graves at the rapture. I had someone ask me, do you believe the rapture? I said, absolutely. If I believe 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm going to believe the rapture. And there's different arguments. I have a friend that believes it's mid-trib. I'm a pre-trib guy. I don't break fellowship over that. But one day, folks, we're going to come alive. Our old dead bodies will come alive, and they won't be sinful anymore. I love that. But here we find now, here is the action of Moses and Aaron. They cover the earth with frogs, verse 6. They're just everywhere. Annoying. I notice most of these plagues are really an annoyance. I mean, it's funny in in life how little things get us down. You know, the Bible says, you know, the the foxes, they'll eat the vines and they'll ruin the grapes. Just, Just little things that happen to us. We can get so frustrated with people who do just little things to annoy us. Frustrated with little things that go wrong in our life, you know? You get up and you, you think, well, I, I, I'm going to enjoy breakfast. I'm going to fry some eggs and the, and the power's out. And you're annoyed, you know. Little things. Yeah. Just little things wrong with your car. You go on a trip, you go to a hot area, and your air conditioner quits working and you're in a hot climate. Just things that annoy nice. us. And so often we get upset. I couldn't imagine dealing with frogs. I'm a clean freak. After I shake hands, I'm sure to always rub them down on alcohol because I'm going to maybe touch my face. So, so I wouldn't want frogs in my biscuit, <laughs> you know, or in my bed. I mean, just think of it. And so here are these frogs. And verse 7 says the magicians, Jameis, we know in Jameis, Paul tells us in Timothy, did this on a small scale. Verse 7, and the magicians did so with their enchantments. Now on the screen, you should see 1 Samuel 18, 22. The same Hebrew word here is translated secretly. I don't think this is a sleight of hand. I believe these guys were empowered by Satan to do this miracle on a small scale. Some say, I've read some who said this is really just a sleight of hand. They did things to make people think they created frogs. But I believe the Bible is clear that they did so. And so I believe they, they brought some frogs miraculously by the power of the enemy. And I'm always amazed at how Satan, Satan can cause filth. He can cause dirt. He can cause sin, but he never can clean it up. He never can give a cure, you know, and, and, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But Pharaoh here, he sees this going on. What does he do in verse 8? He says to, Ramsay, says to Moses, will you pray? Will you talk to your God? Isn't that interesting? It's always amazing to me. The Bible said the grace of God hath appeared to all men. John says we're all born with a light. What does John mean by that? What what does Paul mean in Titus? Well, when you're created, God created in you a conscience. Even that little two-year-old knows right from wrong. You know, little kids know right from wrong. It's it, wrong. It's always amazing when a lost person would say to me, Would you pray for me? At times people say they don't believe in God, but in the end of life we find many that have, have cried out to God. And sometimes someone who doesn't know God and doesn't want to know God will say to you, I need your prayers. Sometimes you have that happen at work, don't you? Pray for me and you know they're not believers. And here Ramses says to Moses, Will you intercede? Remember Jonah uh, backslidden, running from God down in the sides of the ship? And I always use a play on word and say he was going down, down, down. And whenever you run from God, you're going down. But what, did, what happened to Jonah? He's asleep. He's asleep to the fact that they're about to perish. And the shipmasters came and say, what are you doing asleep? Get up and call on what? Your God. Pray. We need prayer. The world needs prayer. Your neighbor needs prayer. And here's Moses interceding for the people. I love that about Moses. We see him in Numbers praying for the people during fire, praying for the people when the serpents serpents, uh, bit people. Moses would intercede. And Ramsey says, will you pray for me? And of course Moses does. He prays. He talks to God, and the Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord, that he takes away the frogs, and, and, and then I'll let the people go, and they can go sacrifice unto their God. Oh, he's made some promises here. And so Moses says to Pharaoh in verse 9, well, you're the man in charge. When do you want the frogs to end? Now, that's a paraphrase. Yeah, what, what do you want? What, what, he says, well, Tomorrow. Now, now remember the purpose of all this, chapter 7, verse 5, that thou mayest know, the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. You know, God does so many things to let us know he's God. First of all, Romans says the invisible things are clearly seen. The heavens, Psalmist said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. God speaks to mankind. But you see, Romans says we love our sin so much, we as in lost people love their sins so much that they'll turn to foolish answers and their foolish minds come up with empty imaginations to believe the stuff they believe, like that we came from a frog. And uh, obviously, Uh, That, that's a lot of nonsense. But so Moses says, you know, what, when do you want to say, he says, tomorrow, tomorrow. And of course, we just quoted John, I mean, Exodus 7, 5, that this would show the God, that God is God. The Egyptians, many, even today, there's a contingent of Christians. We've already told you that in Egypt, but I want you to think back to when they entered Canaan land, what happened? Nations had heard about Egypt. They heard about the crossing of the Red Sea. So these plagues would spread all over Egypt, and then traveling caravans would go to places and say, you know what happened in our country? Those Jews were there, and we had all these things happen. Even the Red Sea parted. And so fame and all this would spread all over so that people could know that the Lord God is the only true God. Jesus is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. They don't come to God through Buddha or Muhammad or any other way. They come to God through Jesus Christ. The only way, the only door. And so he says here, you know, that uh, I'll do this. I'll, 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 he prayed to God, and of course, God took care of the frogs, but he was deceived. And to the deceived, Jesus is the truth. To the blind, Jesus is the light. To the hungry, he's the bread of life. To the thirsty, he's the water of life. To the sick, he's the great physician. And to the resurrection in life, or to the dead, he's the resurrection in life. To the dying, he's the resurrection in life. Just think one day. One day my mother's going to come out of the ground. And if I'm alive, I'll have to catch up. The dead in Christ will rise first. One day, Betty Lingerfeld will will come out of the ground. I thought of Betty this week. One day, my sister who died of cancer at 56 will come out of the ground with a new body. One day, you'll come out of the ground if you know the Lord is your Savior because he will raise you up and you'll be a new person. And to the dying, he is the resurrection and the life. And I love, we already gave you this last week, but let me reiterate. He's a prototype, isn't he, Jesus? To be raised to perfection. Just think of that. To think of every day my battle with old Dan. Old Dan and new Dan are always in battle. Old Dan wants to do something, new Dan says, don't do that. And old Dan says, leave me alone. I want to do that. It feels so good. And we have a battle that's raging in our lives. And you know that. One day we'll be delivered from this body. Love that. And so obviously in verse 11 we said that the, the, the Bible says, And the frogs shall depart from thee and from the houses and from thy servants and from thy people. And they shall remain in the river. So God's going to take care of this just like the Pharaoh asked because he promised. He promised they could leave and worship God and so forth. But remember, the devil can only cause problems he can't solve any. I think of all the things people turn to in the world. You know, it's sad to have this, you know, drug epidemic along our border. I'm not going to get political. But obviously the problems of an open border, we have drugs flowing in. The record number of people dying from drug overdose right now is just skyrocketing. People turn to drugs. Had a neighbor years ago, he turned to alcohol. Alcoholic, he'd sit out in the front yard, my dad would get frustrated. My mom would say, now Bob, calm down, he needs the Lord, be nice to him. My dad would say, he's always out there drunk, this is public drunkenness, I ought to call the police. My mom was always the patient one in the marriage. Now Bob, I love that. (laughs) And uh, But, you know, we see around us the world turning to drugs and to alcohol and to immorality. Oh, it's going to be great if, if I can just satisfy my sexual needs and, and I'll, be, I'll enjoy life. And they find that's empty as well. It's all just emptiness. A friend of mine, preacher, evangelist, he talks about soap bubbles. He said what the world has to offer is just like soap bubbles. They look so beautiful. That little kid, when he blows those bubbles out, all those beautiful bubbles, and they have different colors, and the sun reflects off them, and they're so beautiful, yet they're so empty. You touch them, and they're gone. The vanities of life, and Solomon talked about that. He was the wisest man who'd ever lived. The richest man. He had everything, pleasure. He had everything he wanted, but what did he say? What did he say late in life about early in life? All those things he had—they don't satisfy. Even food. I uh, went to a buffet recently. A buffet, as one comedian called it. A buffet. (laughs) All this food, and I went in there. Wow. I had to limit myself to one plate because the wow would have really got me. Had to let it get me, you know. All this stuff. There was a line lines of dessert and all around these things. And I could tell there were people that had been there for hours. One guy had plates stacked up. I'm like, who could eat that much? But I always struggle with overeating. I think, boy, I'm going to enjoy this. It is good. It tastes good. You enjoy it. But then afterwards, you get in the car and you're driving home, and you think, I ate too much. I have to ask God to forgive me because I didn't need all that, but it's so fun and good. And that's a simple illustration about all the other vices and things that we do. And we struggle, don't we, with the old nature. Satan can cause it, he can't clean it up. Only the blood can take care of our sin. What can wash my sin away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I wish I could sing good. I'd like to just bellow that out right now. When I grew up, we had a pipe organ. Oh my word, was that ever something. They don't have many of those anymore. But when Ruth would play, Sister Ruth, that pipe organ, the whole place would just, oh, it was unbelievable, that pipe organ. I don't think anybody has those anymore much, do they? But I remember the overwhelming Music when the choir would sing with that organ. And I always thought, boy, I'd like to sing. So when I went to Bible college, I had a roommate, and I said, listen, I'd like to learn to sing. And he started to work with me and gave me a few lessons. He said, Brother Dan, you just can't stay on key. It's not going to work for you. (laughs) I've never forgotten that. So I won't sing many solos. But but to think of that little chorus, what can wash my sin away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When he saved me, he relieved me from the servitude I was under. I was a slave to sin, and he delivered me from that. Well, Moses in verse 12, he intercedes. He went to Aaron, Uh, Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord, I love that. He, he cried out, God, help us with these frogs that you brought against Pharaoh. And he often intercedes. You know, there's something about intercession. Most Christians don't get to the point of interceding for others. Their prayer life is limited to, to the three, three people, me, myself, and I. They pray, oh, God, help me with this. I've created this problem. Please help straighten it out, God. I've done this, I need direction. Oh God, help me, help me, help me. And they never get beyond themselves. Moses interceded for others. You know a lot about your prayer life when you find yourself praying for everyone else. And then last, we can ask. But we need to intercede for others. What's your prayer list like? When you spend time on your knees, is it for yourself or do you have others in mind? And I think we need to learn from Moses that intercession is vitally important. Now, what, is, what happens here? The Lord answers. The Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and out of the villages. He answered his prayer, his intercession. Now, you say, well, pastor, from, sometimes you say God is sovereign, Yes. And I will also say it. God knows our needs before we ask, but I also know that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. God wouldn't ask us to pray if it were meaningless. I want to be more like Moses. And then verse 14, it says here, and they gathered themselves together, and upon heaps in the land stank. Now the fish stunk according to the previous plague from the blood. Now the whole land stinks again. Frogs everywhere piled up, rotten frogs. Probably had to bury them. I don't know what they did with them, but it was disgusting. Remember with the the, the, uh, quail, they wanted quail. They were sick of the bread, the wonderful bread, And God said, I'll give you quail. He gave them so much quail every day. They had to gather 12 baskets per person. They couldn't keep up with it. They couldn't eat it. It piled up and the whole land stunk. Sometimes we don't know what we're asking for. Be careful what you ask for. Sin stinks. Sin stinks. Now then the reaction of Pharaoh in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite or relief, he hardened his heart and hearkened not to them as the Lord had said. He didn't do what what he said he would do. He didn't listen to them anymore. He didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to them wanting to leave and go worship. He changed his mind and decided, well, I could take these frogs and and we're through with this plague and he went back to his same old way. You say, well, that's terrible. Let me ask you this. How's your New Year's resolution going? Oh, preacher, you're supposed to limit that sermon to January 1st. I want to ask you how it's going today. So many times we start a, a New Year's, or maybe at other times of the year we say, from now on, I'm going to read my Bible without fail every day. That lasts about 15 days. Today's the 15th. And my dad's birthday, by the way, if you were alive. And so that now, now you've made the resolution. You decided, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to witness more. I'm going to give more. And you make all these resolutions. I'm going to get along with my neighbor I'm going to get along with my spouse. I'm going to reconcile, call up someone and say, I'm sorry, get, make things right with my child. We have all these goals. How's it going now? And you know, I constantly remind people that life is all about, with the Lord, it's all about dying daily. It's all about dying. It's not one big episode. It's dying daily. John, I die daily, he said. I would say we could even say it's moment by moment. Because I can, I can honestly say to you, I can pray and I know I feel God's presence. I've confessed my sin, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That restores fellowship. And to what? Cleanse you. Catharsis. That's the word. Gets the yuck out. Everything's right. I know it is. And five minutes later, somebody can say something that irritates me. And I can say something back. Uh, no one can control that thing. The tongue's uncontrollable. We put bits in horses' mouths, we can't control our tongue. We can control a lot of things, but we can't control what we say. And our tongue is full of deadly poison. And walking in the Spirit is not a one-time thing. I remember in Bible college, and I have told you this, all the people who went forward made one-time decisions kids that were in my dorm made a decision not to do this anymore, and a week later they were doing it again. Why? It's all about your daily walk with the Lord. We come here, and I, I, I know sometimes we get excited, and we praise the Lord, and, and that's great. Wonderful. But it can't end here, folks, with a good song. It's got to continue through the week on your knees and with this book. And that's where the rubber meets the road. I'm asking you today to examine your heart. Have I kept my word to God? If not, you're really no different than Pharaoh. Who, once he had things straightened out, oh, God, help me get right with my wife or with this or with that. And then we go right back and do the same things we did to hinder the, the relationship. And we're right back where we were. We're no different than anyone else who says they're going to do something and don't do it. I, I had an old fashioned dad. I love my dad. But when he said something, he meant it. And so a lot of times I knew what he was thinking. Because I knew when he got out of the car, he looked, looked around to see if our, our, his boys had done what they're supposed to do on the outside. And I knew when I didn't, you know, get all the stuff out and get it back in the shed and straighten it out. So I'd quite often, I'd beat him to the pass, you know. And I would say things like at supper, Dad, tomorrow I'm going to clean this up and clean that Because I knew He'd noticed. Somehow, I would get caught up in my little world and forget the next day. And i go to the dinner table. And I mean all nine of us there, you know. And I could see my dad's irritated and I'd think, he's irritated with me. Oh, no, I didn't keep my word. You've been there, hadn't you? Amen. Maybe your boss. Listen, folks. Realize It's so important for you to establish a relationship with the Lord. Not just an emotional time. I'm not knocking that. Not just a big time New Year's resolution and a trip to the altar. Realize that it starts with your faithfulness to God and your relationship with him. He's always faithful. He's always faithful. If you're today, you're not a Christian. I challenge you, urge you, as Paul says, I beseech you to know the Lord. He's worth. He's worth it all. He's worthy. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Your word is always perfect in timing for our lives. and. I know that even when I study that it's perfect for me to prepare this because I need to hear it. And so I know it's perfect for everyone. You speak to us in so many unique and different ways. I don't know the hearts, but you've been dealing with people because we're looking in the Word. Help us all to look in the glass of the Word and see ourselves and make the changes we need to make in our lives. Blessed now in Jesus' name we pray.